Hey there everyone. Welcome to the Scott Science podcast. On this podcast, we'll be covering and discovering topics from all over the scientific world from a synthetic biology perspective. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review and follow us on Spotify. Oh, and by the way, check out the students behind this amazing podcast on our team's Instagram at @almaigem. And now, enjoy the episode. Okay, awesome. Hello, it's Abby back with Scott Science Podcast, and today we are here with a couple members of the University of Chicago's iGEM team. And first, we're going to have them just go around, introduce yourselves, um, your name, year, major, what are you guys doing in the future? Why iGEM? Uh, I'll kick things off. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Avery Rosado. I'm uh, second year, as are all of us uh, on this team. I'm a double major in biological sciences and public policy studies at U Chicago. Awesome. And what did you want to do um, going forward? What what is after U Chicago? Uh, well, I imagine I'll want to go into uh, medical profession. Um, not sure what my area of specialization will be, but definitely interested in. Currently, I'm doing that pre med track. Yeah. Awesome. And then, what about you, Michelle? Uh. So. Yeah, my name is Michelle. Um, like Avery and Patrick, I'm also I'm a rising second year at U Chicago. Um, for me, I'm not looking to go into a medical profession, but I am really interested in data science and that type of research. So, especially um, given COVID, since we've been doing more of a dry lab approach, um, getting you know getting experience with coding and the way that computers can be. Um, applied to this type of science is really interesting to me. Yeah, definitely. Especially during COVID, like we said, computers, coding, all of that fun stuff. And then, yeah, Patrick, what about you? Yeah, um, so just like Avery and Michelle, I'm a second year. Um, I'm also like Avery in that I'm also on the pre-med track, uh, but I think our major is a little bit different. I'm a chemistry and computational biology double major. Awesome. Awesome. Well, so now we know the team, everyone has introduced themselves, and we are all on iGEM, so all of our projects are a little different. Um, we are collaborating, us two, Alma and University of Chicago. Would one of you guys be able to kind of elaborate on what your guys' project is this year? Um, were you able to get into the wet lab? Um, what different things are you guys doing? Definitely, so I think I can kick things off here, and we all have definitely a lot to say about our project, so we can, uh, can share that. Um, basically, what our what our project is, it started off as this effort to um, basically convert PET microplastics, PET microplastics, into catechol, which is an aromatic compound used in uh, perfumes, colognes, and also certain uh, medical treatments for illnesses of the central nervous system. Um, so we identified that as our as our main problem, trying to deal with microplastic contamination of water sources around the world. Um, and we decided we wanted to take a, a bioremediation approach to that problem, try to uh, convert waste into something valuable by using uh, by engineering an enzyme pathway using enzymes that naturally occur in our chosen microbe, uh, Patmos Health. Awesome. And then, what do you are you guys able to get into the lab, or where have you guys gone since that brainstorm idea? So. This summer, um, we unfortunately were not able to get into the wet lab. Um, the three of us are actually 
for most of the summer we were, summer, we were actually spread across the entire country. Um, Avery and I are now both back in Chicago, but we still have been doing everything remotely. So um, we've been doing primary, only a dry lab project. Um, we ended up shifting from wet lab to um, basically using coding to prepare for, the, for returning to the wet lab next summer. Um, we wanted to find a way to optimize our uh, pathway to, that converts PET to catechol um, mm -hmm. so that it, it would be more, it, we could be more efficient in the wet lab next summer. And we realized that the way we are optimizing our pathway, which was using, by using an optimization algorithm that Patrick can uh, elaborate on, um, could be applied to a lot of different types of biological cell-free systems. And so we ended up creating a software package called OpDesign that can be used to model and optimize um, these types of pathways and systems. And we hope that this, we hope that this software package can be useful to other biologists, even if they don't have very much coding experience. Yeah, definitely. And is that something that you guys would like to almost like market and sell as a product um, outside of iGEM? Or is this something that you guys are going to kind of put together for different iGEM teams going forward? We are more looking to um, promote this as an open source software, so we're not looking to sell it. Um, we are putting up our, we've put up our package on GitHub and we're going to continue releasing new versions as we continue to work on it. Um, we want this to be a tool to help synthetic biologists or any biologist looking at a cell-free system to be able to use and to even be able to improve on if they have those skills. Yeah, definitely. And then Patrick, you were gonna you were gonna elaborate on something, and I can't remember what specifically it was. But did you want to elaborate on that thing that Michelle said you're going? I to? think Avery <laughs> and Michelle actually covered it pretty well. Um, I don't know how useful it would be for me to talk about the technical aspects of the algorithm, but I'll just say I think our inspiration for this algorithm kind of came from our needs during the project. We were trying to optimize our system, seeing how it would be put into practice, how fast it would work, um, what kind of situations it would work best in, and um, we were a bunch of first years, we were kind of looking for software that could help us do this, and then we came up with nothing, right? So we looked everywhere across a lot of different languages, right. and we couldn't find anything that was useful to us. So uh, we kind of decided that, hey, if we need this, a lot of people probably are also running into the same problem. So whatever we do this summer, we might as well make it open to everybody else. So I think we originally looked into getting a patent um, for what we were writing up, but then uh, we decided against it. Um, and we are, it's released as open source software on R. Yeah, awesome. And I think that is something that is, like you said, um, seeing, being able to see what environments things are going to work best in um, and going forward with different iGEM teams. I know that this is almost like a, this could potentially be something that a lot of research is done specifically with iGEM teams going forward. Um, and specifically going forward, what are your, what is your two year project look like? So you said you wanted to get in the lab next summer what do you guys kind of see happening? Avery, you want to talk about well, the wet lab portion? Yeah, definitely. Um, so we've already run our system through OpDesign, so we have a good sense of what our uh, optimized system should look like in terms of the enzyme concentrations, because ultimately what OpDesign has the capacity to do uh, using certain enzyme kinetics as inputs, uh, enzyme kinetic parameters as inputs, rather, uh, is to output um, the optimal enzyme concentration for however many enzymes make up that pathway. For us, it's our pathway from pet to catechol, which involves four enzymes. Um, 
So we have a good sense of what our um, ideal uh, enzyme concentration will look like, which will help us as we move into the wet lab to get a sort of like fast paced approach and get in there and ultimately just like quickly um, create our, our system. That way we can move forward with our intentions, which are to uh, apply our cell-free system in a more like real world setting. So obviously um, the, the amount of microplastic pollution around the world is just like, it's sort of an, an insane amount. Uh, I think the number is right, 63,320 yeah. micro uh, particles of microplastic per uh, kilometer of uh, per square kilometer of the ocean surface for like every major ocean in the world. It's insane. So yeah. basically we want to be able to create some sort of medium, some sort of apparatus uh, that serves as like a uh, an effective water filtration system. That way we can have water that we can that we suspect um, has these microplastic particles interact with our cell-free system and ultimately output that catechol, which we can then ultimately harvest. And we do have a number of companies and other groups to look up to for that. For example, uh, Lanza Tech, which is a group that we had the opportunity to sit down and discuss with. They are a group that, uh, though they don't use a cell-free system, they convert um, syngas, so like carbon-based emissions, into viable sugar-based products. Um, and to do that, to harness those products, they have a, an advanced apparatus that they've incorporated effectively into several factories in South America and China. So we do have a number of models to look up to as we try to create our own physical apparatus for having our cell-free medium interact with areas with like suspected um, high microplastic concentration. Yeah, awesome. And did you guys have anything else to kind of add to that before I kind of ask our next question yeah, here? I think so. Avery's kind of outlined our two-year plan for how we envision our pet degradation pathway to evolve. But we also have a separate kind of two-year plan for uh, off design, so our software. Um, so right now it's, it's a package on R, but it does require you to still write some code. Uh, we've tried to allow people to model it as easily as possible. So you can model your systems without writing differential equations or anything. You should enter in like your enzymes, your turnover rates, what kind of compounds you're working with, stuff like that. So we've removed a lot of the math out of it, but there's still some coding in it. So ultimately what our vision is for OpDesign is that it'll turn into like a, like a computer app. Right? I don't know if you use Snapchain or something like that, but really easy to use like with a user interface. It's really smooth so that um, it could basically be like a drag and drop interface. And then the, the end user not only uh, mm -hmm. won't have to use math and won't also have to code, which is what you have to do right now. So I think that's where we see OpDesign going in the next year. And to add to that, um, in terms of the specifics of how we could create um, a graphical user interface for um, OpDesign, I've been looking, we have been looking into um, something called Shiny, which is a package in R that already exists. And it provides code that makes it really easy to create um, pretty simple user, uh, basically widgets. Um, they can carry out functions like the ones we have in OpDesign. So we are not going to be creating that uh, for this uh, cycle of iGEM, but we are hoping to use something like that uh, to create. Um, to create a user interface that's a lot easier to, to use. Yeah, definitely. And what, what challenges have you guys faced either so far or that you intend that you're going to face in the future? What, what are some challenges that you guys um, have overcame or are going to overcome? Um, 
Well, definitely uh, we can all pretty much speak to the, the challenges that have been uh, brought to us by the fact that, like, respectively, we were, we spent, like Michelle mentioned, our summers in New York, Chicago, and California. Um, and so, like a lot of iGEM teams, we did have to deal with uh, vir virtually interfacing, creating a project that was intended to be created in a wet lab setting and pivoting so that we were able to still put out some work that we think can uh, serve the iGEM community and the broader bio-manufacturing slash synthetic biology communities around the world. Um, we can all, we, we all definitely had to deal with like the, the more like logistical things, I think, but I think that we handled that transition pretty well in terms of just like getting together frequently. We had our weekly meetings. Um, outside of those weekly meetings, the three of us regularly met with each other informally. Uh, just to catch each other up on our own separate progress and I think that's really what was integral to creating this final end product which was just like making sure that we were divvying up our work uh, effectively at the beginning of a week or at the beginning of like two weeks and then just laying out what the next X number of weeks was going to look like. I know Patrick definitely led us in that area on multiple occasions We um, where we, we needed to like have some sort of vision for where we were going to be say by like the end of July. Um, and that helped us to, to then mold our work around that since as independent workers, we were all, uh, somewhat effective, I think. And so as long as we were able to, to make sure we ended up with that, that sort of like end product, that end image for like the end of that time period, we were, we were good and the project was moving forward effectively. I think we're also very, you see three of us here today, um, in this meeting, but I think we're very fortunate to have a really, really big support network behind us. We have a club of about 15, 20 people who were very flexible and supportive throughout the summer. And on top of that, there's also grad students who fit us into their schedule, which is already very busy. And they also gave us the flexibility that we needed to get their help. And I think a big reason that why we're able to do anything this summer is because we have um, those people supporting us. Yeah. Definitely. Okay, cool. And then Michelle, did you have anything to add to that either? No. Okay, awesome. I just want to make sure all of us get our, you know, our words and then our next question. Okay, sorry. Um, and then our next. Um, why iGEM? What motivates you guys to be on iGEM? I know that you guys said specifically you all are going into different fields, um, career-wise, um, you don't know your specialties yet, so why are you guys pursuing iGEM? Why this project this year? Um, I think, speaking for myself, one thing that's very important for me um, is to sort of make sure that whatever whatever work I do, whatever career I sort of gear up to in my undergraduate years, I'm able to sort of work towards making an impact in some positive way, and I think that's probably something we all share as a team. Uh, not just the three of us, but that whole network that Patrick uh, spoke to you about. Ultimately, what we're trying to do is use synthetic biology to make some sort of positive impact um, in a meaningful, like, innovative way. And so I think by getting an early start in our sort of like iGEM careers in our first year, we're sort of now in a good position to spend the rest of our undergrad years looking for opportunities uh, that can benefit us in similar ways that we can use to benefit others in similar ways. Uh, I think definitely this experience is something that we, we can take forward with us. Um, because of, 
even in a dry lab setting, we did constantly have to have in the back of our mind, not just how our work was going to contribute to like the general uh, knowledge of our pathway or of, of um, dry lab techniques, but really how it could be applied and how it could be used by, by others, not within our own team or within our own community. Definitely. Do you I also yeah. I, I would also say that um, this research project in and of itself is fascinating, and I think that it really can make an impact. I think all three of us have gotten a lot out of it this summer, but I also think that um, adding adding in the the um, the aspect of the iGEM competition allows us to um, to promote our project in a different way. Um, you know, we're creating a wiki, which we definitely would not have done. We would not have created a website if not for this competition. We probably would not be doing things like this podcast and the same level of collaboration that we have been trying to do. And um, I think that a great thing about iGEM is that it just encourages even um, young people like ourselves to reach out into the, like, the scientific community and to... Uh, put a lot more effort towards the actual communication part of science um, than we otherwise would have done. Awesome. And we keep talking about this word of impact. So what really is going to be your guys' impact this year or next year on the competition? What is your um, project going to be doing for the broader world? Um, I think our what we've discussed really in our in our own meetings ha has to do with our project sort of making it uh, an impact that is twofold um, I think we have a lot to offer in terms of desperately needed microplastic cleanup efforts uh, and we also have a lot to offer uh, that op design has a lot to offer in terms of its capacity to positively contribute to a number of biosynthetic efforts like I previously mentioned so I can speak a bit to uh, the environmental contributions that our own pathway slash op design has to make. Like I mentioned earlier, the, the, there are 63,320 microplastic particles that contaminate every the surface of every square kilometer of each of our oceans. Um, the ecological impacts of such widespread pollution are, are devastating at all levels of biodiversity, and that poses like a, a serious problem for public health as a result of insufficient water filtration efforts and contaminated aquaculture. Um, and this aquaculture is regularly integrated into human diets. So I think that um, we, this project has the capacity to work on like numerous levels. So we're talking about biodiversity here, we're talking about um, the patterns of marine uh, biology, marine diversity, <coughs> marine, aquatic marine life uh, behavioral patterns, and public health. Um, studies have shown that among marine wildlife, for example, the accumulation of microplastics within organisms can negatively influence feeding and reproducing uh, behaviors. Uh, this, this is true at basically every level of, of that biodiversity we just discussed, um, all the way up to humans, where at that point we are seeing like enormous biomagnification. So the effects are amplified as we move up the food chain, which is very problematic. So given the prevalence of the microplastic pollution issue, it's often the case that a large number of organisms are within any given species and any given ecosystem experience these negative impacts. So this problem is like extremely widespread. I, I think that um, by creating this somewhat simple pathway, 
we we have a lot to offer um and it, i think maybe that can even be a challenge as we move forward just trying to like manage like how we concentrate our efforts because there is so much to potentially tackle once this once we get into the wet lab create that cell-free medium and move towards creating some water filtration technique or otherwise Awesome. Is there anything else you guys wanted to add to that? I think something that could be relevant um, later on, maybe not specifically for our pathway, but for other pathways, um, I think there's ways to convert catechol to monomers of other plastics. So what that kind of implies is that um, a sort of cyclical recycling, bio-recycling system can kind of be constructed where you take waste from the oceans that's plastic and you can break it down and turn it into usable plastic. So in that case, you have kind of a sustainable um, cyclical kind of uh, production chain. So you can make plastics and then if they go into the ocean and they pollute the ocean, you can break them down into something else that can be turned into a new kind of plastic. And then basically you have this closed loop where um, you are creating waste and that waste is being turned back into useful material. And then you can continue that basically indefinitely. And that's at least a partial solution to uh, the pollution problems that we're facing today. Yeah. Well, okay, so we're going to pause for a second. I mean, not pause our recording, but just pause in general. Those are like, I feel like, the. I mean, why should someone join iGEM? You guys <clears throat> kind of talked about, like, what, you know, why you guys did. So I don't know if we really need to address that one. Um, is there any other questions or things that you wanted to say? Um, I think Pat and I have discussed uh, in terms of another challenge that we've that we've faced in our uh, project design, um, trying to distill quantitative methods. And Patrick has already spoken to this a little bit, so maybe we don't need to go too deep into it. But we are trying to distill quantitative modeling down to its biological concepts, um, even in this first uh, output of OpDesign where it's not the complete uh, open source software that we want to ultimately end up with, like Patrick said, this drag and click um, sort of sort of uh, vision that we have for OpDesign. Still, uh, Michelle can speak to this more than I can. Uh, we have put effort into um, making sure that once that package is downloaded and, and is being run, even though their biologists may be pushed a bit uh, out of their comfort zone with having to model their system computationally and mathematically in ways that they usually don't have to because they're in a wet lab setting, we are trying to make it um, as usable and as user-friendly as possible, even in these, this, this first um, iteration of the project. I think something we're also thinking about moving forward is um, as time passes, as more research is done, um, all these enzyme databases out there, like Brenda, for example, are going to have more and more accurate, more and more comprehensive information. So we're thinking that as these databases become very, very reliable, um, computational modeling needs to become not, at least in the context of iGEM, for example, like not a gold medal requirement. It needs to be like a basic core requirement that you know how your system works, you know when it's going to work well, when it's going to work poorly, and you know how to make it work better. And I think um, what we're doing is setting a foundation or a first step um, to where it makes it easier for biologists or people who don't really want to code or don't really want to do math um, to kind of engage in these kinds of approaches that will become more relevant in the future. Yeah, definitely. And that was something that 
I don't like I think all of us didn't really think about that until we did get in this COVID situation where we are all virtual and you guys are spread across the United States. Um, and thankfully, our team has been, has been able to get into our lab and been able to do a couple different things. Um, however, like that's not the case for everyone um, here. So it's really awesome to see you guys be able to still meet um, and be able to do all these things virtually. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think if that's all you guys have, is that all you guys have? Is there anything else? I think that pretty much covers our work right guys okay yeah. awesome then i guess our little outro can just be you know thank you guys so much for joining us and talking about what your guys's project is going to be about um it means a lot that you guys were able to set some time aside uh to talk to us well thank um, you so much abby we're, we're really glad to be yeah. able to collaborate with alma uh, and have this second discussion this second round of collaboration and be a part of your podcast yes, yes thank, thank you so you. much for having us yeah um, awesome.